Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, June 1st, 2017. Now, did you guys know today's flip a coin day? Ooh, I did. Are you, are you more of a heads guy or a tails guy? I pretty much always go heads. Uh, but tails never fails. There you go. That's wow. what the, the okay. old ram says. So anyway, yeah, apparently <laughs> you're supposed to make all your decisions today by flipping a coin. So I will be, wait for it. I will be not wearing pants during this broadcast. Uh, <laughs> Just go ahead and slip these puppies off. It's a good thing your camera is angled pretty high. All I see is I'll, your face. I'm going to stand up here in a minute. <laughs> Great. <All right. laughs> so That's anyway, funny. I'm Chris Salamone from Four Eyes Furniture. And with me as always, Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds. Hey, everybody. And Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. Hello. So how's it going, guys? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am well. Thank you for asking. The roles have, <laughs> have kind of switched a little bit. You've got your intro thing going. So now it's like you don't ever get to get to talk about how you're yeah, doing if, first. Yeah. What about me, guys? Yeah. How am well, I doing? How are you doing? <laughs> no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm, uh, I actually wasn't doing good for a while there. I got kind of sick over the weekend, had a fever, and then little... Uh, Got delirious on Friday morning, <laughs> real early. My had to had to get some strip my clothes off and get some ice on me and get some Gatorade in me, and then I was Ooh. back to back to normal crazy me. <laughs> Sounds pretty yeah, rough. Now now I'm good. I'm all yeah. good. Well, then, more more importantly, what have you been working on? Okay, you guys want me to go first? Yeah, yeah go for it, dude. All right, why not? All right, so uh, I actually was kind of like you guys this weekend. I busted out a project with the quickness on Memorial Day. Nice. I did a, uh, I, I think I talked about it before. I wanted to do a simpler version of the the wall organizer thing. So I made one that's out of plywood. All you need is either a table saw or a circular saw, basically just something where you can tilt the blade to 15 degrees. So that's all you need to produce the whole thing. Um, busted it out in a few hours. Haven't, haven't looked at the footage or anything yet, but hopefully it'll come out good. So did that. Um, I also finished off the, the modern Nelson bench, but again, haven't even touched the video for that one. Yeah. Um, Are you thinking th- you're going to put the wall organizer out first? Yeah, I think I probably will. I'll probably just cause it'll be a quick edit. You think? I think it'll be a little quicker. It's probably going to be a shorter video. Um, yeah, I'll probably do that one next. And then, and actually I think this Saturday I'm going to put out, if you guys remember from a couple months back, there was that, that, uh, desk that i helped that tech channel with but then mm-hmm. that project got put on the back burner for some kind of uh obstacles that were out of everybody else's hands so i think they're gonna finally put that one up this weekend so i'll put that video up this weekend so that'll probably be the next one to come out oh you no. just had that video just waiting the whole yeah. time <laughs> yeah i don't think it's probably not going to be that good of one on my end i think that their video might be pretty cool but um yeah it'll be nice to get it off my laptop yeah eating up that uh hard drive oh, so yeah, yeah. Next couple weeks should have a few videos coming out, so that should be cool. That's cool. What do you got? What are you working on? I bought a welder today. Oh, oh snap! I did. I just What'd I you get. I just got. I just went to Harbor Freight and I picked up. It's called the Mig One Seventy, but it's just oh, kind of yeah. like a good, simple, bare bones get you started welding kit. And uh, I picked up. It's not a commission actually because I'm donating them, but I'm getting a good uh, break on my tax return for it, so I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm building something called a Gaga pit. You ever hear of this? No. no. What is it? It's a strange, weird version of dodgeball. That's I, it's kind of like a yuppie version of dodgeball, kind of like designed so no one gets hurt. I think. Uh, I guess the best way I can the best way I can describe it is imagine a horse corral. They say octagon, about three two by tens high, and kids play okay. dodgeball in it outside. But to be able to get someone out in the game, the ball has to hit the wall before it can hit a person. Because it's to bounce off a wall uh, and so hit a ricochet. person? Yeah, it's like a game of ricoch- ricochet dodgeball. Yeah. So I'm making a couple of those. And instead, I mean, obviously, I could make them permanently set into the ground, get some four by fours, and put them, you know, concrete them into the ground. But I decided. Now's a good time to force myself to learn how to weld, and I'm going to make some corner brackets for each of the each of the corners. Essentially, it's just me- welding two pieces of plate metal together and then drilling some holes. So I figured that was a really good entry into it because, A, it doesn't have to be incredibly pretty of a weld. I can ob- obviously grind the outside of it. And, uh, you know, it's more, it's more of like a utilitarian purpose for welding to get started, That's which awesome. I think is a good thing. So. Very cool. Yeah. 
we'll see how that goes. I'm kind of nervous, kind of excited. Uh, I have not yet laid a bead down yet, but I think I'm going to do that sometime tonight once we get off the podcast. How thick is the steel? Three sixteenths of an inch. I got way thicker steel than I needed to. Yeah, that that should be still not so thick that it's difficult to weld. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Awesome. So I've posted two new videos since we last spoke. Uh, The plywood sofa video is now live on my YouTube channel. That one's good. That's what that's like a top 10 project. It came out really nice. It's a high value project, right? Like it's a there's there's not a lot of DIY sofas that kind of modern and that kind of like low. Um, and I recycled both the cushions physically and the video clips from the, from the cushions from the zigzag sofa. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking Uh, that when I saw two, I was like, wait, did I already see this video? A little deja vu. (laughs) It's like, I swear. I remember that little pug running around last time. He was making cushions. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, uh, I gave away the previous zigzag sofa frame. And they had some different cushions that they wanted to use. So cool. I just recycled those leather cushions because, you know, leather ain't cheap. Um, and uh, built a new frame for it out of plywood. And, yeah, I'm, it's – I think of the projects I've done this year, that and the plywood table are the ones that are most in line with the sort of core mission of what I'm trying to do. Like they're both very serviceable, good-sized, sturdy pieces of furniture that are – still have a, a, a unique aesthetic to them. Um, yeah. And neither one is that hard. It can still be done with the basic tools. So I was glad to finally get that video out. Um, I also posted the video for the Swedish torch and the DIY camp stove, the camp stove I made out of an old circular saw blade. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was more sort of, it was more of an editing and posting week. Yeah. And then I've been continuing the search for a new workshop, uh, which has been, which has been fun. And thank you to all the people that sent awesome suggestions. I got a ton of really interesting leads. And in fact, one of the ones that people sent was for a, a church in Cleveland that is, I'm I think I'm going to try to fly out there and see it pretty soon. Um, it's just like a hundred year old brick church and it's just this epic looking Gothic thing. It's got a big uh, old stained glass dome, doesn't it? Yeah, and what's nice is that the stained glass is just geometric patterns. There's no really religious artwork or anything into them. There's like yeah. no baby Jesus in it. So um, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just like, you know, if I'm going to use it for agnostic purposes, it's nice that there's agnostic imagery. Um, right. He was a carpenter. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get that going. Straight up. Yeah, JC. Uh, <laughs> and then. Um, I'm looking at two more properties that are that are kind of outside of Boston, like old brick warehouses or mill buildings. Nice. So what um, happened so with was, the so what happened with the old the Masonic Lodge? Uh, somebody came in with an all cash offer uh, right before yeah. I could swooped um, in on you. Yeah, and it, it, it's one, one of, of our listeners. Think, yeah. In, <laughs> in in general, like I'm trying to combat. It's it's a really interesting thing. Once you sort of decide you're looking for this thing, uh, if you're sort of like a generally optimistic person, which I am mostly, you get really excited about anything that could work. Yeah, and it's yeah. hard not to get too excited and rush too fast into things. Get a little ahead of yourself. Yeah, right. So the minute I see a property, it's cool. I'm just like, okay, oh, I want somebody it. else buys it. Oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> Can Quick. I have it now? Liquidate all your assets <laughs> and go put the offer in on it. Yeah. So I'm trying to. Uh, maintain focus on still the day-to-day things that I can I can control, but still systematically pursue this without getting so excited about any one thing that I go off the deep end right. <laughs> chasing that. Um, and in looking at some of the ones, some of the really interesting ones present huge challenges. So I looked at a couple of really interesting properties. They're about an hour and a half outside of Boston. And one of them is just epic. It's like 30,000 square feet, but it's like it's like a brick wasteland of like <laughs> kind of dilapidated brick mill buildings. Yeah. So I was like, well, I could have this whole kingdom of brick ruins, which is awesome. <laughs> and it's like right on a river. Uh, but I could also foresee myself just getting lost in trying to like move bricks around and never getting anything published because the, it's just so immense. And 
when you go into something like that without a big team, it can be a little bit overwhelming. So have you uh, thought about, sorry, before you keep going, have you thought about a school, like an old high school from like a small town? Because those could kind of be kind of cool because you've got all the individual classrooms that you could really partition things out in. You've probably got a gymnasium in there if people are living there. It's a good amenity. Not to mention if there is like an industrial arts classroom, it's like almost already set up for you. The three building types, the, the most interesting three building types that I looked at were churches, since mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them are empty and they're big. They have big open spaces. Yep. Uh, schools were one. In fact, our friend Izzy Swan sent me a school in Michigan that was like a pretty interesting candidate. Um, the other one was some old banks, uh, oh, which are wow. pretty awesome. Okay. Like, like, I'm like, oh, snap. Like I can have like the vault be like the CNC room or where it's like really loud <laughs> and noisy, but it's like... Um, so it, it, it's also really interesting just seeing where you find deals in, in like America right now. Um, and cities I kind of think are, are in a lot of ways are are sort of making a comeback, even in cities that we kind of thought of as as being dilapidated. Um, it's a great exercise in decision-making and it's really making me sort of consider what are my sort of priorities over the next few years of sort of space and ability to make things. And the ability to have other sort of real estate business models versus like s- focusing more on just what I'm currently doing in the same way that I'm currently doing without like changing too much. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, I have to think about sort of urban situations versus more rural situations. Obviously, the rural ones, I can get more space and I could do DIY projects with a backhoe. Right. Which <laughs> could be really interesting. Right. I could build tiny houses from scratch on in a warehouse which would be still along the lines of what i want to do but just being able to do it at a at a different scale so a lot of decision making a lot of researching and trying not to get too distracted from producing the next projects which will be coming up soon yeah <laughs> plus if you go out to the country you can like blow stuff up and not get in trouble <laughs> i know yeah I, i've been seeing jimmy duress's canon videos and yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right chris do we got a topic this week Kind of. So we, we're kind of doing a little bit like what we were doing last week where we got a oh, bunch yeah. of questions again. So mm-hmm. thought it'd be a good time to try to try to clear the docket on those. So thank you, everybody, for all the reviews. Um, there oh, was a, yeah. a real surge in them, especially after Mike's uh, sticker announcement I'm last have week. quite a few envelopes to fill up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, um, we appreciate it. And uh, for anyone that missed it, if you want one of the new Modern Maker podcast stickers, Really easy. Just go to our Instagram at Modern Maker Podcast. Find the post of the sticker. The directions are below it. Uh, and yeah, you can get a free sticker if you're into stickers. There you yep. go, Chris. And the only thing I'll say about the question. So a lot of the people are not leaving questions and that's fine. You don't have to leave a question in your review. And the only thing that I would ask is that some of the questions that we're getting are kind of repeats of things that we've already covered. So obviously if, if it's something we've already talked about, we'll probably skip that one. But Anyway, we got a lot of new ones, too, so let's just go ahead and jump into them. Let's rock and roll. So the first one comes from, this is, this is going to carry on our, our cool name streak. Here nice. we got. All right. Owner Imren. Ooh, okay. This guy could be on Star Wars, too. A little I bit, think, yeah. Uh, it depends we, on where you kind of like put the stress on the syllables, you know? Yeah, you, we you, got like an episode eight coming up here. <laughs> I don't know what number they're on, but. So he says, what makes a piece of furniture modern? That's in uh, air quotes there. Is the definition the same to the three of you? So, I don't know, here, you guys want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. All right, so I'll say that sometimes I feel like based on comments that I get where I call something modern and then people will be like, that could go in my cranberry, in my grandparents' house, like saying, <laughs> you know, that looks like it's from the 50s or the 60s. Yeah. So I think sometimes there's confusion between modern and contemporary, whereas you know, modern furniture can be contemporary and vice versa, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. I think modern is more a, a, a like a philosophical approach or a, a period of furniture and contemporary is just now, basically. Right. So for me, the way that I use modern, at least, is basically things that um, where I describe things that are designed with more attention on like function and less ornate or excessive embellishments, I guess. I, I don't sure. know. I'm having trouble kind of uh, 
I'm struggling my way through a definition right now, but that's kind of what it means to me, I guess. I don't know. Is that roughly what it means to you guys? So with the video that I'm doing with Ancestry, which should have already been out, but it was it was my fault. It's going to be out very soon where I kind of talk. It's, it's kind of like a build video with a little bit of an unqualified history lesson built in. And mm-hmm. one thing that I was really researching a lot with the whole Bauhaus movement that I was talking about is like the whole modernist movement at the time. And I think one mm-hmm. of the big takeaways that I got from all of the kind of research I did was the way you look at material and then the function of the piece, where whenever this whole like modernist movement was coming along, that was when like there was a shift in material availability. You were getting mm-hmm. all these like gr- awesome designs with like plate glass uh, throughout a whole building and things like that. And using just simple materials for a functional purpose rather than making everything so ornate um, where you kind of let the function uh, and the design of the piece talk more than the craftsmanship that was put into the piece. And there was probably a shift in in production methods too yeah. at the time I would yeah. think too that, to where that instead of itself to that. Mm-hmm, to where instead of the value coming from the fact that someone spent 20 hours carving all the finials more of the value came from, I guess, the the design, I guess, or the function of the piece. I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Ben? So modern isn't a style. Mm-hmm. Modern as a style emerged from modernism as a movement, uh, which is which is sort of summing up what, what you said. What I was trying to um, get at. <laughs> yes. So it, I think it depends on what sort of it, – it's funny. When I talk to people that were art history majors – or product design uh, people, they tend to talk about it a little bit differently than someone that studied architecture like myself, uh, because we're all looking at how modernism, it modernism affected each one of our sort of art forms more dramatically all around the same period of time, but they sort of peaked at different specific points in time. So when I think of, you know, if I was going to speak really broadly about sort of modern design, it would be sort of the departure point from the decorative arts of Victorian uh, and like sort of Art Nouveau kind of uh, 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 neoclassical styles. So from a, just an aesthetic standpoint, it's the departure from those more decorative styles, as, as Mike was sort of saying. But what I think it wasn't just an arbitrary thing like, oh, my God, we're so tired of that style. Let's think of something new. Yeah, it was saying we have industrialization has already happened. We have this new potential. Things don't have to be handmade. They can be mass produced. What should mass produced things look like? Mm, Right. Yeah. And so all, all really interesting sort of movements aren't aesthetically driven. They're driven from philosophical questions that technology provokes. So if we now have factories and assembly lines, what can the furniture that comes from factory and assembly lines look like? And then people explored that and they explored that at the removal of that sort of hand articulated craft of like the finials and the little decorative things. So if we were to take that same concept and apply that to today, uh, I was just at a Autodesk and I was talking to some of their team and they're talking about the internet of things. And they were really challenged me of like, Hey, this is the new thing that's going on. Why don't more of your projects involve sort of smart things? They're talking about the automatic gardens and they're mm. saying like, you can take this farther. This, you know, our objects are going to be smarter. They're going to have data. They're going to be responsive. We're going to be able to control them with our phones. Why aren't you making more things like that? And it was a great point. It was, it was a really great piece of feedback. It doesn't mean every sofa should do everything, but it means it's, it's, it's not about finding the answer, but it's about saying, that's a question of our time that we're going to think about. Um, and the answer might be not everything in our house should have more technology, but some things should have massively more amounts of technology and other things should actually probably be simpler. Um, like what? So ironically, well, ironically, I just bought a Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> a um, smart vacuum. I, I named him Vacuum Bronson. There you um, go. <laughs> and it's kind of loud and noisy and it's awesome, but not that smart. Uh, it just kept, I just watched it amusedly bump into things just like over and over. Right. And over again. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a great example of something that couldn't really have existed, you know, 40, 
or 50 years ago in the quote, you know, more modern period. Uh, it's something that's very much of this, you know, last two decades. So I think it's, it's one of those things that we, it's good to think about and it's fun to think about. And when people look back at this period of time, you know, and do whatever is their version of a podcast 40, 50 years from now, they'll be like, that's when they first realized that things could be smart. Yeah. <laughs> and it took them a really long time to actually like stop making dumb things and start making smart things. And their first smart things weren't that smart at they all. Were they were just these stupid robots <laughs> that didn't really work that well. Uh, right. Or they're uh, light bulbs that also had speakers in them. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, like the novelty it, of smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So I think the lesson that I take and of looking at modern is to sort of forget the aesthetics of it. The aesthetics are just the stylistic overlay. Think about why a group of people around the world at the same time felt like they should produce things that look differently than before. And we should be thinking like, what kind of things could we be producing that our parents couldn't have, have done? And I think that's a really exciting opportunity. And yes, that means we might make some really dumb shit. But it'll be dumb shit that nobody else could have ever made before. Yeah, that's cool. Very yeah. inspirational. That was good. Yeah, I think I think the real problem where, or where where this conversation comes up a lot is that the fact that the strict definition of the word modern in you know everyday use compared to what it means from like a design point of view is different. Where the the general term really just does mean like relating to the present or. Yeah. You know, now that's yeah, the, the, the generally accepted term just means like contemporary or up to date or yeah, it, we, we should come up with a different word that that's the problem. I guess so. Let's do it. That'll be next episode. <laughs> um, all right, here, let's uh, move on to question Nowder. number two from, I don't know. I don't think this is a real name, but it could be Rengar Maine. You know, now I think people are messing with me. I think people are just submitting names that sound like they could be from Star Wars. See, but now you're just being insensitive. That guy's like, man, you know, I've been getting picked on my whole life because it sounds like I got a Star (laughs) Wars name. And now Chris over here. (laughs) All right, so let's see here. He kind of asked two questions, but the first one was about five beginner tools that he should get. And I think that's probably like a whole nother episode. So the other question, it has to do with that he's getting married soon and he's going to be living somewhere with, congratulations, Mrs. you and Mrs. Maine will be Mm. happy. Um, Let's see. Hopefully, yeah. (laughs) He's going to be living somewhere that doesn't have a garage or a basement or a backyard. So basically, you know, no kind of traditional work. Basically a place like where I live. I was about to say, yeah. yeah. Well, so then you'll you'll be able to give him some good advice because he wants to know what are some other places he can do his work. Um, Making things. I had a nice uh, little bit of Memorial Day weekend doing some chainsaw carving on my roof deck, um, and all the sawdust <laughs> was just sort of blowing away. Your na- my neighbors are welcome. Um, <laughs> the it, obviously garages and basements are the places where these things normally go. They're also the places where normally like people put their home gyms, which I always don't get either. You should put those things where you want to develop good habits in like the nicer rooms. So. Uh, so I can answer both these both these questions sort of. Get a don't get five tools. Get three tools. Get a circular saw, a cordless drill, and an orbital sander. You can get all three of those tools from a really awesome company that sponsors <laughs> me and makes me a little bit biased called Ryobi. Shout out to Ryobi. Um, and you can get all three of those tools for less than two hundred bucks. And with those three tools, you can make a lot of the things. And they don't take up a lot of room. Uh, you can, they're all small and portable. Uh, you can get a couple sawhorses, so then you have a mobile workstation. And with those sort of three things and maybe a few clamps, I guess clamps and sawhorses and like measuring devices would be the other sort of five tools, but I'd only get those three power tools to start. Yeah. With those set of tools, they can all store into a coat closet. Um, and you can bring them out when the weather's nice. You can find a parking lot and to build if you don't want to deal with dust. If you don't mind dealing with dust, you can uh, use duct tape and some drop cloths to quickly tent off of room so that the dust is all contained. Then just roll up the duct, uh, untape the, du- uh, the duct tape, roll up the drop cloths, vacuum up the mess, and you're all cleaned up. So you don't need a garage, don't need a basement. In fact, I, I'm not a big fan of basement stop- shops because especially if you're going to spend a lot of time in there, they're like moist and damp and bad air quality. It's not, not the most healthy place to be. <laughs> so 
you just need to find there's a parking lot somewhere everywhere. So load it up into your car. Uh, do it in the Home Depot parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I would add that uh, a good workshop can just be a laptop. And so this, I know this is something that I always recommend a lot, but 3D modeling. Like I think you can do so much. That I, I think you could spend two years there and not even get through yeah. your ideas yet. Just sitting there, you know, virtually building things. I heard actually a good quote um, from Shannon Rogers on on Wood Talk the other day. He described SketchUp as video game for video games for woodworkers or like a woodworking video game. I thought that was a really good description because that was kind of how you know when I found it. That's kind of what it felt like. It felt like a video game to me. Of like, oh, it's cool, like flight like, simulator. Exactly. Yeah. It's like woodworking simulator. So you can, I think you can probably spend a lot of time developing ideas there. And I mean, I know that there's, that's not as exciting. Like you have ideas and then obviously you want to see them come to life. And so maybe there's another way that you can do that where you don't even necessarily have to do it in your house. Maybe there's, you know, some place with facilities near you or a friend that has some tools or whatever, but that doesn't mean that you can't have something that you can be doing in your own time where at least you're making progress and developing skills. I have nothing to add. Y'all guys killed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with the, the 3d modeling. So that I'd say don't use SketchUp. It's janky. If you, Cause I you don't like want to, <laughs> Chris will defend I know it. It's great. But it's, it's eventually going to go away. And like 10 years from now, you're going to be like, oh, wait, now I have to learn something that's newer and more advanced and can actually do advanced things. You and know, I'm already so me, embedded though, in that. SketchUp, like to me, the, the, beauty about, the beauty about SketchUp is that for me, there was really, really not much of a um, learning curve to it. Like, honestly, like a couple hours, I feel like I could sit down with anybody for two hours and get them to a place where they're technically as proficient with it as I am. It's very much, at least for me, it works the way that I think. So I look mm-hmm. at it as like saying that like, you know, pen and paper are going to become obsolete. Like I don't need it to do everything. And for those more advanced things, as I get into those, I'll, if I need to find another system to do it, I'll do it. But for me, it just works as like a quick way as almost an alternative to drawing by hand. Hmm. I hear you. But still, anyway. don't <laughs> but still don't do it. No, I hear just, what you're saying, but no. Just yeah, I, I guess it's more just in general. Be mindful of where you invest times into learning things, and right. they'll yeah, that's it. And the other thing is, that it would be like learning Microsoft Paint really well <laughs> instead of Photoshop. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, I guess there's there's multiple free platforms, so try them all out, and then just see which one works best for the way that you think and. That's the one that's for you. But for your work, Chris, what do you use? Uh, Adobe Suite? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Do oh, no, you, Paint. Paint. <laughs> no. Microsoft Paint. Yeah. <laughs> I actually use MS Paint. <laughs> Huge Paint fan. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah I get what you're saying. Um, all right. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah. All right. This one comes in from Han Lobo. I Wait, swear no. these. Oh, that now he's messing I with I swear me. to you, no, there's okay. no way these are not made up names. <laughs> that one I did. I made that one okay. up. It's actually from Andrew Benson. <sighs> All right, you had me. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Let's see. Outside of the context of YouTube, what is the number one piece of advice that you would give to makers?" Just you want to go first, Mike? Just have fun. Don't be critical. Uh, focus on what you do well. Don't focus on what you suck at. And avoid what you're not good at. If you're not good at making a certain thing a certain way, don't make things that certain way. Do play your strengths and make what you want to make. Don't necessarily start building things only for other people. That's yeah. a lot of. I think that's a lot of one pieces of advice. They just kept coming. Mike, just, think- Mike, Mike just gave a commencement address. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. They just kept coming out. No, that was good. The key thing that you said there, I think, was make what you want to make. I think that's yeah. really important because you want to have a, a, a passion or an excitement about whatever you're working on because that's going to make you work on it harder. Yeah. But for me, my number one piece of advice would be at least once a year or let's just say as often as you can, build something that's outside of your skill set that you might mess up on as opposed to building something that you know you can make. Mm-hmm. So for me, that would be like, I very quickly, like, honestly, the first like cabinet piece that I designed and built on my own, what was 
the bad Larry. It was trapezoidal shaped, which is like kind of a stupid thing to do, or, or at least it seems like an insane thing to do to be like, why don't you build rectangular ones? And then once you have that down, move on. And I did it the opposite way. And the reason <laughs> that I did that kind of goes back to Mike's point of that's what I was like really excited about and really focused on. And I knew that I would spend the extra time that it took to do something that I was more excited about as opposed to do something that I was like, well, I should really just do this first and, you know, just not be that into it. So that's my advice would be build something at least once in a while that's outside of your comfort zone. How easy were square cabinets after you did that one? No easier. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because that's the thing is that if you really think about it, like, you know, if you're making something that's all 90 degree corners versus something that has 75 degree corners and 105 degree corners, there, it's it's really all still just like how accurately can you hit that 45 yeah. or how accurately can you hit that 37 and a half. Very true. I guess 37 and a half just sounds more intimidating, but it it's really not any harder. Okay. Ben? I would say we don't have to make any things. We live in a modern society where we can buy if we everything that we need. It's, it's rare that you actually have to make something. We could probably live our whole lives without ever having to make something. Um, so the question I don't think it, it, or the, 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 the advice I would think is to ask yourself why you find yourself being drawn to using your own hands or your own sort of digital 3D modeling skill sets to, to make something. And then I would say the, the, the sort of follow up to that is if, if you don't have to and you want to somehow be more involved with it then let your hand, you know, think sometimes with your hands, not just with your brain. Because if we were just using our brain, then we could just think of how to get the money and then use the money to buy the thing. So let that sort of physical part suspend judgment or suspend trying to know the outcome and just let yourself sort of work with something and have that be steps where you get stuck. So if you're trying to make a table, I had a friend came over today and he was looking at the plywood table and he's like, how did you design this? before you built this. And I'm like, well, I didn't. I started with an idea. I knew I wanted to make a whole table out of one sheet. I knew that the top piece would be the biggest piece, but I didn't know how it would work from there. So I just started cutting some strips. And then I said, okay, that strip's about the right width for a table leg. Let me then cut this at you know 29 inches so that with the three quarter inch thick top, it would be at a 30 inch table height. So at that point, I'm sort of thinking with my hands. I, I hadn't forecasted the whole thing. I'm just sort of like, cutting things, holding them up. Okay, that fits. Oh, I can cut this little leftover scrap can be a brace for that. So I started with my head and that set the sort of course of the direction. But at some point I let my sort of hands take over and just sort of let them show my brain what could be next. And since we don't have to make things, I would say that's the thing I would say to focus on because it's the sort of luxury and the opportunity that we don't normally get. Nice stuff. Nice. All right. Should we, uh, Keep it rolling? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Good questions. No, they were, yeah. All right, so we got more questions. Great. I'm ready. All right. Mike here, edit this part out, but I'm going to do something when I read this next one, and then uh, after I ask the question, then you can come back in. <laughs> okay. All right, this next one comes into us from Leather Noodle. He says, it was tricky in the beginning to tell Chris and Mike's voices apart, but this podcast is great, and I listen to it regularly now. Really? I don't get, yeah, I don't see how we can't tell our voices about. So here I go. Here, we're going to go back and forth right here. So, ready? This is Mike. This is Chris. This is Mike. This is Chris. This is Mike. This is Mike. This is Chris. This is Mike. This is Mark. This is, what am (laughs) I supposed to be doing? I'm confused. Am I supposed to say that? This is Mike. This is Chris. I'm trying to, this is Mike. I'm trying to trick him. Oh. So he's listening real close, going like, that all sounds the same. I got you. Yeah, I didn't think we were you so can leave close it apart. In. That's fine. I didn't know. <laughs> I don't think we sound similar. Okay. But I guess it's that uh, that Oklahoma drawl that I got or that <laughs> I'm developing real, yeah. now. For, by osmosis. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. He The question that he ha- asks is, what question do you get asked a lot that you wish people would stop asking? Do I sell these? How do I uh, order? <laughs> I have one. I get that I have one. one yeah. Which you know, maybe I should start mass producing these beds. But I had one bed. The video is taken off, which obviously I'm happy happy about. But it's got a couple million views, and mm-hmm. I know it's getting a lot of suggested feeds off of IKEA Hack 
bed videos. Mm. So uh, just kind of understanding the audience, they're more kind of like DIY inclined than like woodworking inclined. So, and I yeah. know it's a relatively advanced bed looking at it from that, from that perspective. So I get a lot of emails asking if I will build that bed for people, but I won't. Don't email me guys. I won't <laughs> do it. I won't. $10 million. <laughs> I will do it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have that to right, you by for tomorrow. Me, for me, the, uh, I think the question that I'm most sick of is about finish. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but people are so... Well, you know, I think actually to extrapolate that out a, a little bit, I think any time that they ask about something where there's kind of a, they're inferring that if I had that thing, I could do this thing. Like that that's the result of it. Like I even mm. had somebody one time ask what camera I used as if like that's the reason that your videos are good is the camera you're using. It's not. But um, <laughs> the, the number one I think has got to be the finish one just because and I think. It's so intimidating going into it though. When you don't know anything about finishes, there's just way too many options to even comprehend at first. I know, but I, I, I hate finishing just as much as everybody. Oh, yeah. I think everybody hates finishing and they all just want that like easy solution. And like, I mean, I feel like what I use is pretty easy, but it's still like, I mean, that's the other thing is you can't even really tell in the videos, like, is that a good finish? Like, it, you know, yeah, I'm, you're not seeing that much detail. You're not touching it. Yeah. So it's probably a pretty average finish that I that I put on. So I, I hate that I'm I don't want to give advice about it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> you don't think you're that good? No, okay. no, I'm not. A, I'm not a teacher for for finishing for okay. sure. I, I got two. Okay. The first one is how much did it cost to make? Yes. So I've posted that a few times. Every time I posted that, people told me how it costs differently where they live. So mm-hmm. I stopped posting it because it costs different amounts at different things. Even if you go to Home Depot's, pipe fittings are different costs at different times in different regions. If I put the exact price or post the receipts, uh, it will be out of date relatively soon and be different in different locations. Yeah. If you buy something in Manhattan, it costs differently than if you buy it in Tucson, Arizona. The So that, that's the one thing. Um, it's not that hard to look online. So the other question uh, is, why don't you use metric system? I get no, that so that. many times. I've gotten it maybe twice. I've, I've lived in other countries before that didn't use the imperial system. And you know what I did? I adapted because I was in that place. I didn't ever complain or ask for that to do it. Yes, I'm aware that the metric system is more efficient. Yes, I'm aware it's more rational. Although I do think when it comes to describing furniture, I like the imperial system because to me it's like a more, it breaks down into numbers that are more conducive with the human form. Like I think someone six feet tall or six feet one inch makes a little bit more sense than describing someone as 175 centimeters versus 180 centimeters. Um, yeah, because I don't know how so, big you just said. <laughs> yeah, and also Google it. Like, yeah. come on, they, there's a million <laughs> metric translators there, so they sit there writing these long, stupid comments about. It, it's just really like a chance to sort of uh, America bash. Um, and be like, oh, well, don't you? Yes, yes, yes. We know, we know, we know, we know. We've heard it a million times. Yes, engineering friends. It makes more sense. Yes, yes, yes. But take the measurements that I give you. <laughs> go shove them into some <laughs> sort of metric conversion things and shut up. I never really thought about that before. But yeah, in Imperial, there's like good breaking points for describe like, oh, he's over six feet or whatever. So yeah, like in Europe, how do guys brag about the size of their genitalia? There's no good break point. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a that's a dirty. Now I was thinking of a couple that I'm not yeah, even going to say. Got, and now we got the explicit. Lyrics. Not quite. A good not centimeter. Quite. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say anything. But that's a that's a scientific term that I use. So we're we're good. Yeah. No, but All it's right. like, and just for the record, if the country was switching to the metric system, I would support that. I do think it is overall has more advantages. Yeah, but. I'm just going to deal with the situation that I'm in. That's funny. I've never gotten that before. I'm, uh, I, it, be I get it. it. Like, a, a, like it, it's probably any video where I, I verbally mention uh, inches yeah. or feet. See, I guess that's part of it. I never really do that. So, I've, uh, yeah, maybe that's you why I've too. never gotten it. 
You talk about how big something I is. Do? I mean, I would imagine you uh, say like what? I cut it to four. Are you coming back? <laughs> I'm not coming at you or anything, but <laughs> cut. I feel like it's impossible also, not to talk about it. The, the materials that I use are often referenced in oh, yeah. that. I buy three quarter inch thick plywood. Mm-hmm. I'm using. Oh, okay, two I have by done fours, stuff like that right? before. Um, so, don't ask me what a two by four is when. Right when there's fewer keystrokes for you to Google it, then to type and you'll get in. the answer okay. immediately. But I'm not better than maybe me responding <laughs> to the comment. Maybe not. Yeah, but if you have to really ask those questions, go ahead and ask them anyways. I'll take the extra uh, engagement onto YouTube. I was about to say it's all engagement. <laughs> yeah, on my next video, everybody asked me how long everything is and asked me to convert it to both. Ask, yeah, let's get let's get some comments going. Yeah. All right. Next one. So this is a question slash sawdust confessional coming in from Dennis Glassberg. He says, so the sawdust confessional is I'm too scared to go to the lumber yard. So I'm sure that's something that you can relate to from when you were beginning. And a lot of uh, people who are new to it might be able to relate to. For sure. So he says, I got into woodworking about six months ago. I've mainly been working with Home Depot bought plywood and pallet wood I found on Craigslist. I'm fortunate enough to have a joiner and planer and want to start dabbing in some nicer wood. Dabbling in some Damn. nicer wood. Dab it. Look at my dad. Um, I have a few issues when thinking about visiting a lumberyard. First, I don't have any projects in mind for this wood. I have no idea what looks good for what project. I sort of just want to get a couple small pieces and mess around with them. Maybe start with a cutting board. Second, I have no idea what the cost will or should be. Third, and possibly the most difficult to overcome, as a weekend warrior, how the heck am I supposed to get to a lumberyard that's only open Monday through Fridays? How did you guys handle this when you first started out? Uh, any advice, help, encourage me to get my first trip to the lumberyard would be appreciated. So first thing would be a point of commiseration. Like I do a little bit of baking, but I still can get a little bit in- intimidated going to a lumberyard. And I remember the first few times that I did, I would see like a price on something and I wouldn't know if that was like per linear foot or per square foot. And I was like, trying to figure out like wait can i afford that piece or not or like uh, yeah i think in like college i went to a place because i was building a site model for an architecture studio and you know there's a piece of walnut and it was labeled like you know eight dollars a foot uh and i thought it was a square foot but it was a linear foot and it was like you know four inch wide bar board so i like take it up to the counter and be like oh i'll take this and he's like oh this is like a million dollars i was like no <laughs> i won't be um so, yeah, they can be intimidating places uh, because there's all these sort of weird things. They'll talk about like five quarter versus four quarter, but it's actually three quarters of an, you know, all, all yeah. those little nominal versus actual things. Yeah. So luckily you can search those things and come up with them. In fact, maybe we can do like some sort of post about that, about all those sort of little terminology or something like that. Yeah. But, um, uh, but here's the other thing. Don't front just say, hey, I don't know what this means. Exactly. Right. Where you yeah. get yourself into trouble and you compound the thing is where you pretend like you know, but then you ask that, but then you sort of project that you know what you're talking about. And then they kind of are like confused because that doesn't make sense. Right. And then you just, <laughs> then they just think you're a weirdo. Uh, where if you just say, hey, it's my first time in Lumberyard, can you tell me like what this means versus this mean? When you just are like open and honest, I had to do it recently at a steel yard. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience with metalworking. So when you look at like, you know, wide flange steel beams, there's all these numbers and stuff and they all mean something, but not necessarily what you think they do. Uh, and so I just asked the guy, Hey, what does this mean? And this mean, okay, that's how many pounds per foot. Thank you. Super helpful. Now I can plan my project. Yeah. So don't pretend just ask. Um, I think that's the best advice. That's the same thing I had to do this this weekend for these uh, gaga pits I'm making for the metal brackets. I've never bought steel from a steel yard before. So I called him and I and he's like, you know, what do you need? And I said, well, I don't know 100%, so hopefully you can be helpful along the process. And I was able to bounce questions off of him. And just the fact that I qualified the fact that I didn't know what I was talking about at the beginning, just let him know that he's going to have to kind of walk me along a little bit. And he was okay with it. But if I came in acting like I knew, like, oh, I need this, this, and this, and then he comes back with questions, and I'm just like, uh... Just hang up. Yeah, he's just he's <laughs> going to be done with me. But if I just right. say, like, hey, man, I don't, you know, this is, I'm a woodworker. This is my first time buying metal. 
so forgive me for anything I say stupid. That's all I led with. And, you know, he helped me out really, really well. So yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Also, so for the technical bits of it, I know uh, the Wood Whisperer, who was on last Saturday's show. Yeah, that was a great he actually, interview. You did. Yeah, he, I was going to say that. Yeah. Thank you. I was fishing for that. That's why I brought this up. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> no, but I was going to say one of his first videos that he So it's like 10 years old. If you go to his channel, he has a video that's all about going to buy lumber. So it has a lot of like the technical stuff. So that can kind of take some of the pressure off for when you make your first trip there. For me personally, so if you can find one that's open Saturday, I know there's one near me that's open Saturday, so that can be a good time to go because it's you're not going to have a lot of like the industry people there. Mm, yeah. If that's good not point. the case, what I did the first time that I went was I went on like a Wednesday at 11 o'clock or two in the afternoon. Sometime where most it's mostly going to be in the morning when like they're going to be really busy and you're going to have you know you're going to be in in people's way essentially. If you go in the afternoon, they're probably just going to be kind of restocking stuff and there'll probably be somebody there that you can talk to and they'll actually have the time to help you out. So that would be my other advice would be to go at one of those off peak hours and uh, yeah, like every like you guys were saying, just kind of be humble and ask questions. I think for the most part, you know, if, unless somebody's like running around trying to do a million, a million different things, people like to be helpful and they like to impart knowledge. So yeah, I'm sure it'll be a fine experience. And if you go somewhere and they are total assholes, just don't go back. Like yeah. they're the ones in the service industry. Like they're supposed to be, you know, you're buying from them. You don't have to act. They're doing you a service. Keep that in right. mind. If there, if you live in a place where there's more than one place to buy lumber or more than one place to buy metal, then just if one place is bad, go to the other. That's that. Yep. The other the other thing you can buy stuff online. It's not always the most uh, valuable thing because if you're buying big pieces of wood, you know, shipping costs can kind of eat you up. But if I need just a small piece, I'll often of hardwood. I'll often buy or uh, a specialty size dowel or something like that. Um, for like smaller projects, I'll often buy it from Rockler. Yeah, uh, they have really interesting selections of exotic woods and domestic hardwoods. And the other place online that I found recently that's pretty awesome, not a sponsor, is WoodSlabs.com. Mm. If you want to do like your first live edge project, what's interesting is that they they actually photograph each individual slab that they have and put it up online so you you can see the exact slab that you're buying. So that's woodslabs.com. I actually bought a slab from them uh, recently, a, a rosewood slab, and it was it was pretty nice. Yeah. How does it, it comes pretty finished too, like where all you got to do is really sand it, right? It's plain yeah, down. Yeah, sand and yeah. And they offer off, you know, you, you get a pretty good view of what it looks like so you can see what you're getting. And they're reasonably priced. You can always find a better deal from like a local mill person. Um, but these ones are, are pretty reasonably priced. And the, yeah, and that was the other thing I was going to say about Rockler too, is whenever you get, get stuff from them online, it's all going to be really choice lumber and it's going to be S4S, really square, really clean. Yeah, the Rockler stuff is like super pristine. Yeah. It's, it's not the cheapest place to buy hardwoods, but it's these little, especially for if you're making like little wood boxes for like a gift or something like that. It's predictable. If you get it in different times, they're they're relatively consistent in terms of coloring and uh, yeah, overall a good thing. Nice. So this one comes in from Chad Hearn, and it's really more of a would you rather, but we'll do it anyway. So I guess Chad's a busy guy, and he said, <laughs> my s- <laughs> "I don't know why I thought that was funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's a busy know. dude." He said, "I guess Chad's a busy guy. Like you know him. I don't know." Sorry, oh. go for it. Oh yeah, Chad. You yeah. mean busy Chad? <laughs> Are you talking about Chad? Well. Oh, busy Chad. Yeah, I know busy Chad. <laughs> Doesn't sit Everybody still long enough to Chad. say his name. All right, go for it. Sorry. Uh, it says my situation seems similar to Chris having a family and balancing that with woodworking, making slash fixing up a house. A tough balance to find. I sometimes find myself daydreaming about the idea of being able to manipulate time and stopping time altogether to be able to finish the projects that keep stacking up. Just hit that pause button on time when everything stands still except for you. Having this in mind, I was thinking of a would you rather okay. for the opposite of this scenario. The opposite end of the spectrum would be that you couldn't slow down time, but you could snap your fingers and that project would be done. Mm. The caveat being that whatever you wanted done instantly would take a year off of your life. Would you make that trade? 
So would you rather be able to manipulate time to make the trade of potential years of your life instantaneously, instantaneous project completion? Mm-hmm. Is it? Um, and so, so it's like a here, yes, no. Would you do it? I think he's saying, would you do which? Would you do that, or would you rather be able to freeze time to work on projects? Oh, I'm freezing time. So, so here I was going to say, let's say that number one for freezing time in the freezing time situation. It can only be used to work on projects. Oh, so well, never mind. I already like, had other, like, dastardly plans with yeah, my can't, time you can't abilities. Use it to, you can't use it to clear the vaults of a Wells Fargo Dang. or, okay. I don't know, sneak into the girl's locker room or whatever you perverted <laughs> bank robber was thinking to do. That really changes things. Dang it. <laughs> and let's no. say that in the, in the snap your finger situation where you lose a year, mm-hmm. let's say that you can only achieve things that you'd actually be capable of doing. So you can't be like, all right, I'll snap my fingers and cure cancer. Okay. Or, I don't know, create a pill that gives you the ability to fly. So you know, I'd have one? to use it sparingly. Um, I don't know. Ben, what do you think? I, I, I was thinking about this the other day is when was the last time I was bored? Right? Okay. I remember as a kid, uh, you know, I've been thinking about it because of all the road trips for the Acura stuff. I've been thinking about sort of what road trips were like with my family when I was a kid sitting in the back seat. And it was the law of the are we there yet kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was thinking like do I have moments like that now? And I think the only time that I do is if I'm like at the DMV or like waiting in line for something, which most of the times I try to avoid through sort of planning or stuff like that. Um, So I I wouldn't really change anything about it. Uh, I feel like there's with technology, if I have a, a charged iPhone and I do have to wait in line, I can get work done. Mm-hmm. I can get emails done. I can get things like that. So I, I don't really think that way. I wouldn't change anything about time. Uh, I would just want more of it. Um, and I think that's, that's... That's the freezing time so, situation. Yeah, you're freezing time. Yeah. You're freezing uh, that time. But I wouldn't want to suspend it for you know anyone else, because you know, that would be such a, oh, yeah. a lonely kind of thing. <laughs> so I, I would prefer... I, I'm happy with the... The, the way time Reality? and space are, <laughs> <Right>. are flowing. <laughs> and I also think that, like, in general, uh, like, no, I, I wouldn't change anything. Like, I would just keep going. And I, it's my, I think it's also because my barometer for whether or not I, I feel like I, what I'm doing is successful is just how excited I am to work on things when I get up in the morning is – I know that there's been times in my life where I've been lazy and unmotivated to do the things that I knew would be bettering myself. And so all I really care about is, am I excited to get started on the things that I know are going to better me uh, financially, professionally, creatively? If I'm excited on those things, then I don't want time to go faster or slower. Like I'm just, I'm locked in. Like I, I know that I'm on a path to, to adventures and, and all sorts of cool stuff. So for me, if like if I was could manipulate the time, I would sort of lose that barometer of measuring whether or not I'm going in the right direction. See, for me, the the freezing time one is easy is the easy choice and very appealing to me. And I think that's probably because I work still. So I, I really would love to be able to just freeze time <laughs> sometimes so that I could do this. But in a way, that's kind of cool because that means that if I just quit my job, I would kind of have a superpower. Yes. Not many people can say that. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually could get a superpower here. Yeah. I mean, I think the easy go to it on this is freezing time because you could just be incredibly prolific. But I'm going to kind of give it a little hypothetical piggybacking off Uh-oh. of this one. Here if there go. is one thing you could do, but like time was not a factor, whether it's something you okay. were going to make or like a certain thing you would pursue, what would it be? All right, let's let's say that there's just one thing that you would like yeah. to build. Whether it's that? the time to build or yeah, okay. Yeah, let's say that. What would you build if time okay. wasn't a factor? Um for me, so this is one that I will do even though time is a factor, but one that I'm keep putting on the back burner because I think it's gonna take a lot of time, at least in the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. is I have this idea for a kind of I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like a modern take on like, I don't know, a Victorian piece of furniture. So I've drawn it a few times. It has these like, I don't even know if Victorian's the right, the right uh, way to describe it. But yeah. 
like you know what cabrio legs are mm-hmm. so it's like that style but those in are this, like, like those very easter eggs with like the chocolates Oh. <laughs> Cadbury <laughs> Cadbury eggs These are Cabrio legs Cabrio legs gotcha. Yeah, Cabrio legs um, So it, it would be very angular Whereas those it, it, Those are kind of like the legs that you would see Where it's got like, you know Sometimes they might have like a claw and ball yeah. Type mm-hmm. foot or whatever like kind of, So sort of that style But a very like angular modern take on it So I've drawn it up a few times And I know it's just going to be like a lot of new techniques And it's going to take a lot of time But if I could pause time and do one project right now That's what I well, would do Well if you weren't using a shitty 3D modeling software You wouldn't have to You <laughs> could just model it <laughs> How dare And you? I'll CNC it for you <laughs> How dare you No this couldn't be This You would need a to CNC this, you would need something that like could rotate every axis. I have a five axis. I can mill it for you. You do? Yeah. At the Autodesk build space. No, seriously. If, oh, if, at the build space. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That okay. you could do it on. Listeners, put some pressure on Chris. Tell him Ooh. to learn a real 3D modeling software. Uh-oh. So if he models it, I will not only mill it for him, I'll get the material of his choice to mill it with. <sighs> All right. What well, do you tell me Shots the software? Fired. I'll be ready next week. Fusion. <laughs> Fusion done. You could model it in SketchUp and maybe import parts of it. No, that's part of the rules is it can't be in SketchUp. <laughs> as long as it ends up. As long as it ends up. All right. But no, it'd be a good experiment to see if you could do it in SketchUp. I mean, it probably could be. It doesn't have all the sculpting tools. Okay. Ooh, I mean, that's it. You could prove him wrong by how how robust SketchUp really is. I know I can model it in SketchUp. I, I don't know that it can... Um, that then the machine can read it. I'm sure with the pro version it can. You know, you know, uh, an easy way to do it would probably be is you could use uh, in one two three D. They have like some animation software, and they have uh-huh. a lot of like preloaded like kind of like monster creature parts. So you mm-hmm. could get like a claw, and then you could do a low poly filter to make it angular, and then just manipulate those facets. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I mean, I know how to model it already, so I'll. <laughs> it's uh. Just do yeah. it. Uh, um, Nike, not um, a sponsor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it. I, I actually like. I think it's 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 a cool idea. It's a really good idea. Like, and I would like to see it. And I think it, I think it's going to end up looking kind of like the Chrysler Building, kind of awesome, right? Like those kind of like those Art Decoy kind of gargoyles that are part sort of geometric and then part sort of sculpted. Um, I think you it's know be pretty what? cool. You know what? So in the in the few drawings that I did, what it kind of reminded me of was a stealth bomber. Mm. Which yeah. I don't know if that's the same kind of that like sort the of like yeah. fighter, which is like planar, or the stealth bomber, which is like smooth. The one I don't know from probably the late '80s that was like a bat wing looking. Yeah, the smooth one, the bomber. Yeah, yeah. We had an air show uh, last weekend because I I live in Midwest City, Oklahoma, which is home to an Air Force base. So we had like the Blue Angels. There were the there were like uh, stealth bombers, all kinds of stuff flying all over the place. It was re- it was very cool. I don't know why I needed to interject with that, but we're gonna use <laughs> yeah, that as our transition. We're gonna jet right into our outro. Mike got suddenly <laughs> self conscious. I did. I said, <laughs> "Why am I talking his about voice. this?" <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. I almost said watching. Uh, if you guys want a sticker, like I said. Uh, I'm going to be filling out envelopes all day tomorrow. So not all day, but it'll be about an hour probably of envelope filling out. And I appreciate all the reviews. It's it's not a pity party here. I'm excited about it. It's all it's all for the greater good. If you're not already following us on Instagram, be sure and do that. That is at Modern Maker Podcast. The hashtag two two by four challenge is coming to a close, which this is something we needed to talk about. I'm glad I thought about it. Instead of doing the classic wrap-up episode as a podcast, we figured it would be a great opportunity to introduce the Modern Maker podcast YouTube channel. Maybe it's just the Modern Maker YouTube channel. What is it? What should we call it? I think it, I think it might be podcast if okay. we base it off of the email we already have, but we'll, we'll look into that. Okay, just curious. Anyways, we're going to do a video wrap-up. That way it serves all of the people that put all the time into making these things justice. Instead of listening to us try and describe what people made, we're going to be able to show parts of the build videos if people made videos. We're going to be able to show pictures and just kind of be able to discuss it a lot more uh, effectively. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, 
we'll give you more information when that video is out, whether that's going to be during the Saturday episode this weekend or our next episode. Whenever that video is out, we'll definitely let you know and obviously share it through our Instagram. So be sure and follow us there for all those updates. Anybody got anything else? Uh, no, the, just that the, well, yes. Okay. <laughs> the entries are awesome. Yes. Go check out the hashtag two, two by four. Uh, it is, is it two, two by four challenge? Or just yes. two, yeah. two by hashtag four? Or check two, out both. Two. Yeah. Do it, do it all. Yeah. Just, just but, go uh, and start searching stuff. There are <laughs> hundreds of awesome entries. I'm kind of blown away by it, by the amount yeah, of it's entries. it's pretty crazy. It's insane. Uh, yeah, I feel like... Mm, Ours wouldn't have won. No, that's the worst part about it. Neither of mine would have done. No, n- that's the best no. part about it. I, well, yeah, it is. It's the best and worst part. It's like, dang, what am I doing here? No, there, but then some, again, it just, yeah. There's not just talented people that executed great projects. There are really creative conceptions of uses of the two by four yes. that I couldn't have, have predicted. Like there are, there's some wild stuff out there. It makes me excited for future uh, challenges as well. Cause this one was kind of like go out on a limb a bit, little bit, see if we get some participation, but it turns out we've been like, it's been a flood of participation. So yeah, yeah, we're you loving it. Awesome. Keep it coming. Uh, we'll let you know when that video is out. Thanks again for listening. Stay tuned. Chris is interviewing Christiana from the channel. Get hands dirty for this Saturday's episode, which should nice. be really good. <laughs> Should be. See you guys. <laughs> Bye. Later, <laughs> <it> up, Chris. <laughs> Should be.